Welcome, friend. We are so glad you've joined us to listen in as ordinary people share their extraordinary stories of how one man changed their lives forever. No two stories are the same, yet it's our hope that you'll relate enough to want to meet the same man all our listeners have met. Listen as my friends tell me about a man that gave them hope and love beyond their wildest imaginations. Barb Allison, welcome to Tell Me About a Man. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. I'm excited that you're here. We're in my living room on a Saturday afternoon, and you just got back from a football game? Soccer game. Soccer game, sorry. No, you're fine. Football. I guess it is football. It is football. (laughs) So you and I just recently met. Mm -hmm. Your husband did the episode... A couple episodes before this, yes, and he texted me and said, "If you think my story is amazing, you need to hear Barb's." And so here we are. Okay. <laughs> so no pressure. Yeah, none at all. None, none. We like to start things here with a little icebreaker. Okay. What is something on your bucket list? Switzerland. Ooh, why? It's gorgeous. All I've seen is pictures, and I've always wanted to go. I just think it would be amazing. In the winter or, like, mm, winter? Winter? Yeah. You're a snow, I'm cold a snow girl. girl. Yeah, mm. I am. You and I couldn't travel together, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and I like to ask everybody and the same question. Uh, chips and salsa or chocolate cake? Chocolate cake. Oh, you're a sweets girl. I am a sweets girl. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not a sweets girl all the time every now and then, but definitely I need some chips and salsa. Oh, I love chips and salsa. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a close tie. (laughs) Okay. So I know nothing about your story. So you're my first one. I mean, Clay, I knew had a a decent idea, Mm -hmm. but um, a little bit, but you, I know nothing. So I am like all in, all yours, have no idea where this is going to go. So to our listeners, you're in for as much of a ride as I am. And so um, I'm just going to let you kind of start, tell me a little bit about, you know, little Barbara growing up, what life was like, who you were, and yeah, let's go from there. All right. Uh, well, I grew up in Yukon, Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, I have one sister. She is uh, 14 months older than I am. Uh, mom and dad. Uh, mom's still living. Dad passed away about nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but just grew up your average middle-class America, mm-hmm. you know, in Yukon, America. Um, life was good. I have great parents. Um, they did get divorced when I was seven. Uh, my dad was uh, a very active part of our lives. We got to talk to him every night on the phone, was with him every other weekend. I'm one of those people that don't really feel like the divorce affected me a whole lot mm-hmm. as a kid. It mm-hmm. was just, you know, we were in the 80s. I feel like mm-hmm. everybody's parents got divorced right. in the 80s, unfortunately. unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, I had great parents. Um, Mom was a believer. Dad, I wasn't really sure growing up, but he was. Dad was a believer, so... Um, but didn't always go to church with us when we went. Mm. We were always in church on Sundays and Wednesdays. But So I grew up knowing God. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't ever really make him Lord of my life. Mm. But uh, I knew who he was. Mm-hmm. knew he could be trusted. Mm. And, uh, you know, his word mm-hmm. and so forth. So, But, uh, yeah, we grew up in Yukon. Um, moved to Bethany, Oklahoma when I was in fourth grade. Okay. So it was me, my mom, and my sister. Life was good. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, very, just normal childhood. Didn't. Yeah. No. No traumas. Anything like that. Yeah. Um, around sixth grade, started playing basketball. Basketball was life for me. I. It was like my my thing. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed it. 
got to play some baseball, softball growing up too, and I enjoyed that as well, but it really, basketball was really my niche. Into high school, just average kid, started, let me see, when I was 14, I got really angry. I don't really know why. Hmm. Um, my mom had got remarried um, when I was about 12 or so, 11 or 12. And uh, so I had a stepdad, you know, stepbrother. Yeah. Didn't really care either way. Didn't, you know, no, didn't dislike him, didn't really like him. It was right. just one of those things. But uh, around 14, they separated and I just became really angry. I don't really know what, what the cause of it was, but uh, started rebelling quite a bit. I've always been a strong-willed person. So mm-hmm. as a child, I was very strong-willed, but mm. really started rebelling about 14, started smoking cigarettes and uh, smoking pot here mm. and there and mm-hmm. an occasional drink, but mm-hmm. nothing, you know, a whole lot. But So that continued on uh, going into high school my freshman year. And Was your mom aware of it? I think she knew I was smoking cigarettes but I don't think she really knew what to do about it because mm. I I can remember a time of my purse being laid open and I had a pack of cigarettes in there <laughs> and I was freaking out but she didn't say anything to oh. me so it was kind of one of those what well, you know because my mom doesn't smoke doesn't yeah drink, does, you know yeah I don't really think she knew what to do about it but mm. maybe she didn't see him I don't know but. yeah <laughs> so you rebel a little bit go into high school mm-hmm. um just your typical midwestern yeah high school yeah girl love 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 sports that was yeah. my thing and um just wanted to grow up and and uh, play basketball for the university of texas i don't know that i was that good but that's what i wanted to do you know that was my dream and um at 16 i got pregnant when i was in high school okay. um sophomore end of my sophomore year i got pregnant and it was kind of devastating i you know it it was one of the things where i I, ne- I never thought it would happen to me, mm-hmm. you know. I thought, well, you know. So it wasn't like I had thought of having an abortion or giving my daughter up or anything like that. It was just like, okay, well, this is a consequence, you know. Mm. This is what my life is going to look like now. Mm-hmm. So that would have been your junior year? My, well, end of my sophomore year, so I was 16. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was in May is when I found out I was pregnant. And I tried to go to school my junior year. didn't really work out. I was having a lot of morning sickness and stuff, so... I went homebound, so mm-hmm. like the teacher would bring me my work, and I would do my work at home my ju- my junior year. But uh, had my daughter two weeks after my seventeenth birthday, mm. Micah. She's mm. a huge blessing. But uh, so that was that was me. Seventeen had a had a little one, and I finished my junior year at Bethany High School, and uh, just tried to balance the the mom, you know, being a teenage mom, uh, me and um, her dad. We, we split up right after she was born. Right. You know, we were still friends, but it wasn't, it just wasn't, wasn't meant to be yeah. one of those things. So were you living at home with your mom? I was, mm-hmm. I was. Yeah. Mom and my mom and my dad were very supportive, like, nice. very supportive. I had a that grandmother. Helps. Yes. I had a grandmother that watched Micah during the days. So I didn't mm. have to pay for daycare. So it was just a huge blessing mm-hmm. all the way around. God, you know, was keeping me covered. Mm-hmm. So, um, let me see, went to, uh, went back to school for my senior year and just kind of had a tough time, bal- mm. you know, balancing everything and, uh, ended up dropping out of high school. My uh, second semester of my senior year, <laughs> why I couldn't go, wow. a few, yeah, why I couldn't go a few more months. I don't know. It was, uh, just something. And so I dropped out and went and got my GED. So good for you. Yeah. And they actually let me walk with my class, which was nice. So tried to take a few college classes immediately, you know, the next, mm-hmm. you know, go around. And it just really wasn't for me mm-hmm. right away. I just wasn't ready for that. So just entered the uh, the uh, workforce. Workforce, I guess you could say. Yeah. 
And it was um, around that time my mom had told me, because um, I was still rebelling. I was, you know, I never did anything around my daughter, but there would be times where I would go smoke weed or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And my mom um, told me that, you know, the Lord had given her a promise about me. Mm. And it was uh, a scripture, Jeremiah 24, 6 and 7. Mm-hmm. It says, my eyes will watch over them for their good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. They will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all of their heart. Mm. How'd you respond to that? <laughs> um, my thoughts were this. I... I know God can be trusted at his word. I still wasn't living for the Lord. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew he was good and Mm -hmm. I knew that if he said it, it was going to come to pass. Mm -hmm. So my attitude was, all right, well, I'm going to go live how I want right now. I mean, very, got that rebellious attitude. Mm -hmm. So I had this really rebellious attitude of, okay, it's going to happen. Well, I'm going to live how I want for now. And I know before I die, it's going to happen. So (laughs) what was your mom's response to that? I didn't really say that to her, yeah. but it was one of those, thanks, mom. You know, thanks, mom. Mm-hmm. My mom is an encourager. I feel mm-hmm. like there were many times throughout my life where she'll send me a note with scripture in it. You know, hey, I'm believing on a promise, you know, for you. And um, and that promise wasn't just for me. Mm-hmm. It was for me and my daughter. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's uh, you know, I, I've reverted back to that even during my darkest times. Mm-hmm. of like, yeah, it's going to happen. Okay, Lord, <laughs> type of deal that. So I just kind of ignored it and Mm -hmm. went on and did life how I wanted to. I, um, let me see, I was working for the state. I worked for the tax commission. I I wasn't working actually for the state, but like through a temp agency and stuff. And I was 19, um, had a boyfriend that just was no good for me. Mm -hmm. And um, he had given me a gun for my birthday. Of Mm. course, didn't bother telling me it was stolen. Mm. And I got pulled over one night uh, by the highway patrol. And of course I had been smoking a little weed and mm. so it's, it smelt in my car. <laughs> mm, so, so I can search. Yeah. So, well, yeah. And I was driving under suspension. So I, I knew I was, you know, probably headed to jail for my first time. And I felt really bad for the, for the highway patrolman. Cause I didn't tell him the gun was where it was and he found it and kind of freaked out, you know, and he was like, what are you doing with this thing? And yeah. I'm like, Hey man, I, you know, I, I didn't, I don't know, you know, and he said, well, you thought you were in trouble before you're really in trouble. That yeah. gun's stolen. I was like, I had no idea. And of course you didn't. I, I really didn't. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, that's what he was probably thinking. Yeah, that's pro- yeah. but yeah. he was like, well, now you're going to lose your job and everything else, you know. Mm. And so I went to jail. That was my first time getting arrested. Mm. I uh, have an uncle who was a criminal defense attorney at the time. And... Uh, of course, we had to hire a lawyer to, to uh, represent me on the case. And so he said, well, I'll represent you, but you're going to come to work for me. I need your help. So, okay. So mm-hmm. I got a job as, you know, working for a law firm. And um, the cop never turned in the paperwork. What? So I stayed in jail for two days. I got out on a bond, on like an OR bond, uh, waiting for them to file charges. And the cop never turned in the paperwork. So, yeah. So I, I think he really felt bad for me knowing that I was young and, had a lot to lose. Yeah. And uh, he never turned in the paperwork. Nothing ever came of it. So it was uh, a real blessing. So did you like keep things straight from there on out? For a while. Yeah. For a while I did. I mean, I was still smoking weed, but that, you know, that that's all I was doing. Yeah. I wasn't into anything uh, different, but I continued to work for the law office. He taught me 
you know, secretarial skills that I didn't really have. So it was, it was, it was good. That's (laughs) awesome to have somebody like that pour into you at such a young age. Yeah. And he did for a long time. He was, he was good to me. Yeah. He and his partner split up and there was a time, an opportunity for me to go work up at a uh, Baptist hospital. I was working there in dialysis as a patient care tech. I had a friend that worked up there and she got me a job and I realized, man, nursing is what I am called for. Like, I love taking care of patients. This mm. is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And, but I couldn't do it with the schedule that I had there. And my uncle's partner actually came to me at the hospital. was like, Hey, I need your help at my firm. Can I please talk you into coming back? I was like, that's fine. But let me tell you, I need to go back to school. I want to yeah. be a nurse. He said, come on, I'll work with you through it. So I quit the hospital. I worked there for about nine, 10 months doing that. And, uh, then went to work for his law firm, went to school, started school. You know, I was a single mom, working full-time, going to school full-time. It was it was a lot. It was, it was a lot. Of, but you did it. Yeah, I did for a while. <laughs> for a while, I got all my basics done, and it came time for me to apply for the nursing program. Okay. And I didn't get in the first time, which is, you know, looking looking back now, I'm like, of course I didn't. Nobody gets in. Right. It's not unusual. Yeah. But I was panicking because I was like, I don't have any more classes to take. I don't, you know, so I actually um, went and got into a respiratory therapy program at another school. And uh, during this time, I I will add this in, uh, on the weekends, this boyfriend that I had, we were, we were started kind of dabbling in meth a little bit, Mm. you know, doing it on the weekends, just kind of smoking it and partying on the weekends mm-hmm. when I didn't have my daughter or anything. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, how that got introduced into my mm. life. But I, like I said, I was working and being a mom and just doing all the things. And, um, and did anyone know you were using meth? Uh, I don't think so. I think my mom and dad were clueless. I don't think they had any idea. So they're supporting you fully in going to school, helping you with your daughter. Oh, well, by this time I had, I had my own place. Like yeah. I had my own house, my own car. Like, yeah. Well, I didn't mean like financially supporting you, but they're like, Hey, yeah. she's, our daughter's killing Yeah. Her. She's doing good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We'll watch the kid on the weekend so yeah. you can have some you time and yeah. you know, things like that. But everybody, my whole family was very supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, there became a point at this respiratory therapy program where there was a discrepancy on how many absences I had. Um, and they ended up kicking me out of the program, mm. which was devastating to me. I thought, man, I've been giving it my all for all these years. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, what am I going to do now? Now I owe all these student loans. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to give up. Oh. I'm going to give up. I'm just going to go do meth like all these other people and just, really? just give up. Yeah, it was stupid. Yeah. Like I look back now, I'm thinking, what was I thinking? You know? Yeah. It was just very, very poor decisions. So what happened? Like your daughter and... I still had my daughter. I was, I mean, I never did things around her. Yeah. I, and I, you're working? I was working for the law firm. Um, <laughs> bless his heart. The attorney I work for, <laughs> love him to death, but he, he's a mess. Uh, he, he had fired me. I had quit a few times. Like it, it was like a bad marriage between <laughs> It was complicated. It was very complicated. <laughs> Uh, I think I was actually waiting tables at the time. I'd gone back to waitressing and, you know, doing that just to support us while I was going to school and just kind of gave up, didn't know Mm -hmm. what else to do. Yeah, I I just started doing meth a whole lot. The boyfriend I had had, the one that had given me the stolen gun, we were together for like eight years and Mm. he was just bad news all the way around. I got rid of him finally and moved on to another horrible relationship, which Mm -hmm. ended up being... Uh, physically abusive it, mm. it was bad ended up losing my house and 
getting beat up from him mm. and started doing doing drugs IV. Uh, so I was an IV drug user for a while. Wow. Yeah, things just got went bad to worse. And uh, my daughter, of course, was staying more at my mom's. You know, because, how old was she at this time? Uh, probably nine. Yeah, yeah, about nine years old. And um, I moved to a little apartment um, on the other side of town, and we had some stipulations of because we lived in a really good school district at the time, and I didn't want her out of that school district to go to this other not very good school district mm -hmm. and so my mom said that's fine but she's going to stay here with me you know mm -hmm. because I have I don't want to lie to the school which was fine mm -hmm. yeah, but I felt like that was something that kind of just worked against me mm -hmm. and um, like I said things just went bad to worse ended up moving back in with my mom for a little while mm -hmm. things didn't work out there so I ended course, up yeah. moving back in with my dad for a while I mean it was kind of a revolving door with my dad if I was you know down on my luck he always would give me a place to stay which I appreciated, but it probably enabled me a little mm. bit, you know. It's hard for a parent. It is. It is hard, and I can't imagine. I can't mm -hmm. imagine all the things that I put him through. So mm. that bad relationship just, it, like I said, went bad to worse. And I um, went out of town. I had a friend that lived in California, and I was trying to get off the meth. I wanted to just take a break for a couple of weeks, get away from the crowds, and I went out there to visit for two weeks and told my mom, hey, I'm going to go out here and I'll be back. Just, I'm going to, I'll be back. And I, let me back up just a little bit. About a month or two prior to that, I had gotten arrested again. Mm -hmm. I'd gotten arrested and uh, with a possession case. It was not like with intent or anything. It was just mm -hmm. a possession of CDS. And so I had gone to jail again. Mm. And this time it stuck. Mm. <laughs> they definitely turned in the paperwork this time. Right. <laughs> And got bonded out. Uh, my, my dad had bonded me out of jail. And um, it was really bad because I didn't even tell my dad I was going to California. Mm. I, was, I just kind of left in the middle of the night and went. And um, I didn't, I didn't want to hear anything anybody had to tell me. Right. I told my mom, look, I'll be back in two weeks because I had court coming up. And I wasn't going to not appear in court. Yeah. My dad had posted the bond. But while I was gone, um, my daughter's father had contacted me. And he wasn't very active in her life up until that point um I feel like when I had my act together he really didn't mm. and then now that I didn't have my act together he had just gotten married he had a good job and mm -hmm. things were going mm -hmm. better for him so mm -hmm. it was one of those things but my daughter and him didn't really have a, a great relationship mm -hmm. but uh, when I was in California he called me and it's like hey we need to talk I was like okay um I'm in California I'll be back in a couple of weeks um, you know, on this date, you know, can we talk when I get back? Sure, sure, not a problem. So I get back from California, and my daughter's gone. My daughter's gone. I get a the attorney that I had worked for got some paperwork sent to him. It was an emergency custody order. I had never filed for custody against my ex. We, it was just a thing that we had always verbally worked Mutual. out. Yeah. And so it really felt like a stab in the back to me. Oh, wow. Like I show back up trying to, trying to do right. something right. You know, right. of course I was way off, way off track, but I come back and my daughter's gone. They had pulled her out of school and he had custody of her. And there wasn't anything you could do there about it because that's her parent. Do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, oh. so it was just devastating to me. Like my, my whole world just had completely just crumbled. And so that's when things got really bad. Really? Yeah, got really, really bad. I, I, um, I lost my reason for living. I didn't mm. have my daughter anymore. You know, I mm. didn't have, like, she was my, my only 
only thing to keep me going mm-hmm. and, and she was gone mm-hmm. and nobody would tell me where she was like it was one of those things I had to wait until this court date which was two weeks later to show up and uh it was a bad deal really mm. bad deal but there was um I I got home and I wasn't I still wasn't a believer you know my mm-hmm. mom's still trying to encourage me to <laughs> to turn to the Lord during all this and I of course my hard head wouldn't do it but I can remember breaking down and just being so angry and just bawling my eyes out, just asking God, why? Like, why is this happening to me? Yeah. And um, I opened my Bible up. It just, you know, a little flop and drop there to uh, Proverbs. It was Proverbs three eleven. It says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent mm-hmm. his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Mm-hmm. So I knew, I knew, mm-hmm. um, I knew why it was happening Mm -hmm. and my daughter deserved better. Mm -hmm. She deserved a lot better than what was going on at that time. And, you know, but I just felt like, Hey, you could have come and talked to me. There was a better way to do this. Yeah. You know, but, uh, so things just, they got really bad. So I didn't. So your response wasn't to turn to God. Your response was to go deeper into my addiction. Really? Yeah. Go a lot deeper into my addiction. I mean, in, in my head, um, you're already, using iv drugs mm-hmm. what's deeper just just, just more, more just more all the time like really? anything to numb the pain just, yeah yeah and it was meth meth was my drug of mm-hmm. choice um just like i said i was an empty shell that's how it felt how'd you pay for it you know you have friends that want drugs you can go pick it up for them if you know the people you get your own little you piece get your and... own little little bit of mm-hmm. it and then like right after that had happened i met a guy I have a thing for convicts. <laughs> All my boyfriends were convicts. <laughs> it just drove my parents crazy. But uh, I had met a guy who had just got out of prison. And um, <laughs> and um, we had met. Things were good at first. And then he started selling. So, mm. of course, then I had unlimited access wow. to, to what I needed. And things were good with us for a while. Yeah. And then they turned abusive. Mm. I mean, and they got really bad. Really? Like, really, really bad. I don't even know how to describe it. It just got really, really, really mm. dark. It was a very dark season in my life. And it was almost like I was taking that relationship to almost take the place of my daughter because I didn't mm. have anything or anyone else. And that was kind of a revelation that came to me later. Mm. But um, so, like I said, things things were just bad. Um, that was in 2006. And then um, May 22nd, 2007, I had gone to Newcastle Casino with a friend of mine, <laughs> and we kind of got into an argument there, and he left me at the casino. Keep in mind, I live in Yukon at the time. Mm. So I start just trucking at home. So I was like, I'm just going to walk. It's okay. Walk. It was 8 o'clock in the morning at Newcastle. Oh, I start gosh. walking to Yukon. So let's, for a visual, to get, give an idea, Newcastle to Yukon would be how many miles? Oh, my word. Probably, I don't know, at least, I would say at least 30, but... Uh, so I just started walking, thought, well, I'll get there eventually, you know, and it was a long, hot day that day. And I just took my time. I didn't have anything else going on. I didn't have a job. I didn't, you know, didn't have anything going on. And um, God led me under, I don't even know how else to say this, just led me under this bridge. I was at 15th and Morgan Road, and he just led me under this bridge. And no words were taking place. It was just a complete transformation of my heart and my spirit. I accepted Jesus as my savior that day. What? Yeah. So just you. Yeah. Well, and, and let me, let me preface this to say my mom had relentlessly, relentlessly prayed for me. 
She had her prayer groups at church praying for me. She had friends praying Mm -hmm. for me. I mean, just so there were a ton of people praying for me. And she had prayed for me to have someone to listen to. And I had a, a friend that had come along that he didn't do drugs, but he kept pouring into me and pouring mm-hmm. into me and pouring into me. He was a safe spot for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, times where I would get in, you know, got beat up by my boyfriend. He lived right down the street from where, where mm-hmm. he lived. So I would go to his house in the middle of the night and have a place to stay and mm-hmm. things like that. So just everybody praying for me at that time. But did anyways, you know it at the time? Did I know what? That they were all praying for you, that your mom was doing this? Yes. Okay. So she was very open about it with you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, she's an encourager. I'd get things in the mail all the time. Hey, I'm standing on this promise for you, you know? Mm. So 13 years later, the the promise came came to pass that, uh, yeah, like I said, I was under that bridge and it's just hard to describe because there was no one else there with me. Mm. (laughs) It was just me and Jesus. And um, I know that this sounds absolutely crazy, but I saw Jesus that day. Mm. I left that bridge. By this time, it was late afternoon. I mean, I had gotten that far. Wow. Like, uh, and there's this big cornfield, like, right beside where that bridge is. And I can remember seeing Jesus there. Like, and he was just just so beautiful. Like, I was trying to jump up there to him. Like, I don't know, I looked completely crazy <laughs> to anybody that was driving by. But it was, uh, it was, it was wild. Don't even know really how to describe it. I would think that this is where that knowledge that you had all these years turned into belief and a relationship. And then I'm thinking like about like Paul, like you literally were on the road to Damascus. Exactly. Like you literally had a Paul moment. And then what does it look like after that? After that, yeah. So you have this transformation under a bridge Mm -hmm. after walking who knows how How many many miles. miles, Right. Were you high? I was. You were? I was. I was. And... Like, what did the next steps when you walk out from underneath that bridge look like? Well, that was when I walked out to the to the field and to the saw field. Jesus, like, literally yeah. had, had this encounter, like, mm-hmm. you know, of him. And, and it was just so love and peaceful. Like, mm. I didn't care about anything. I'm like, I'm just ready to go with you, Jesus. Let's go. Wherever like, I'm, I'm ready. Let's do this. Yeah. Like, I want to come with you. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> so, but... Ended up getting home at like three in the morning. It was crazy because I still had many miles to walk to Yukon, you know. Oh so you walked from eight AM to three in the morning. Well, keep in mind I was un- I don't know how long I was under that bridge for or how long I was in that right. field. I, okay. Time was not a thing to me. Wow. <laughs> so and I actually got I actually got picked up by the police that night. Uh, <laughs> Yukon knew me. Like a small town. They're like Barb's out again. Like Barb's out again. What is she doing? You know. <laughs> But uh, they picked me up, and he was like, do you want to ride? I was like, please take me home. I've walked since Newcastle. And so he was like, get in the car. You know, it was just one of the same officers I had dealt with that have arrested me multiple times, just wow. driving under suspension or yeah. possession of marijuana. Like, I'd yeah. been arrested so many times. Did you tell him what happened under the bridge? No. No. Not. He. I mean, he probably knew I was high. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, I wasn't even sure what happened under the bridge. Okay. I mean, I knew that I, I knew there was a transformation there because I got led to call a friend of mine, like, hey. A safe friend. A believer. A new friend. Okay. A new friend that had actually been praying for my salvation. Mm. And I was like, hey, I don't know why, but I feel like I need to call you and tell you. Mm. And he said, did you accept Jesus? as your I said, I did. Mm. He was like, I've been praying for that. I was like, wonderful. <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> he ended up marrying Clay and I later. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. So, but, uh, yeah. So, anyways, I get home um, three in the morning, but, you know, no big deal. So, 
I didn't stop using drugs right away. I wasn't like delivered. You okay. Know, it was a thing literally that I had to work out. When you say delivered for the listener, meaning delivered from that sin, from that, from sin. that flesh, right? you like, still had, your body was still addicted, yeah. even though you feel like your heart was changed. My heart was changed. Okay. Definitely my heart was changed, but I didn't really, I didn't know what to do next. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do next. Um, I, I wanted to get my boyfriend saved. Mm. Did you, you know? tell your mom? Um, not right away. Really? <laughs> yeah, not right away. Really? It was probably a month later. Wow. Because I, like I said, I was still using. I had several warrants. So let me back up just a little mm-hmm. bit. So I was on probation from that felony case um, that I had gotten. They had put me on a deferred sentence because I'd never been in trouble before. And so I had a probation officer that I had to see. And I wasn't the best at seeing her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I called her and was like, hey, look, I have uh, some city warrants here in Oklahoma City. Uh, I'm going to go turn myself in on those warrants. It's probably going to take me about a month, month and a half to sit those tickets out. Mm-hmm. I will get with you and I give you my word. We, I will get back on track with you. So she's like, okay, perfect. No problem. Okay, perfect. So I go and I turn myself in. And it was in August, uh, August of 2007. I turned myself in <clears throat> on these warrants. And uh, I'm like a few days shy of getting out of jail. And she files a violation on me. <laughs> I was like crud okay and I deserved it because I I had been in violation but it was one of those things like woman you told me you weren't going to do this and I can you know but it is what it is and And here I am again trying to do something good trying to do something right and it just it it, it didn't work out it yeah shot me in the foot so but so I called my dad and said dad I know I was never going to ask you to bond me out of jail again it's a hundred bucks can you please bond me out like you know and and by this time my dad kind of you know had softened his heart towards me and everything because I didn't miss court the time before. And right. Like I said, everything was good. But um, so I I did that. And so now I have this violation kind of hanging over my head. And um, I'm still using, still trying to, to not use. And I had to go to court. Um, I think it was in September, like the next month or something. But the judge, <clears throat> my mother, my mother, God love her soul. She's she's a prayer, so she prayed that I got the the hardest judge in the courthouse, and I got it. <laughs> so she she wanted me to have the toughest judge that would hold me accountable. And, wow, I'm yeah. gonna need your mom on speed dial. I know, right? <laughs> I'll give you her number. <laughs> But, well, she's so funny. She's like, she's, she always prayed for me as a kid. She's like, I always prayed that if you would sin, you would get caught. And, mm. you know, and I never got away with anything as a kid mm-hmm. because of it. So, mm-hmm. so anyways, I, I'm going to court on this violation, and she ends up putting me into custody because I have a hot drug test. Mm. So I am in Oklahoma County with no bond. Mm. Yeah. So I spent a good 10 months. Really? 10 months in Oklahoma County Jail. And, um, I really just believe in my heart that God needed to get me still Mm. and give me time to saturate myself in his word and just get to know him, know who he is. Because you're not using in jail. Oh, no, 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 no. It's county jail. No. And I I don't want to be high in jail. One of my last guests told me that. You got to watch that last guest. Yeah. But no, I, I had no desire. Okay, to so you, you you have no choice but to yeah. so be clean. Yeah. 
So now you are in your right mind. Now mm-hmm. you are. And you're still like, no, my transformation under that bridge was the real deal. It was legit. And now I'm diving into yeah. this relationship that I have with Jesus. Yeah. And like, I knew this God, but now I like, I want to know, know him. You. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know you. Who that's are you? Amazing. Like, okay. Feed me Lord. Yeah. <laughs> that's the best feeling so, when you're so hungry for the word. It was it's the best. Well, what else have I got to do? Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm in jail with a bunch of women and mm-hmm. yeah. So Lord, please. <laughs> Yeah. Teach me about you. So yeah. I really did. And it, it, jail is what you make of it. Mm, isn't anything? It, it really is. It's like mm. you, you make the best of whatever situation you're in. Yeah. And so I really felt like I utilized my time to get to know the Lord. I got my little job in there. <laughs> and I even had a Bible ministry in there. Like wow. I found a I found a, a place that would send uh, free Bibles to inmates. And I can remember one night there was like 30 Bibles that hit the pod. And I was just like, yeah, all the guards were mad. They had all these packages coming up. Right. <laughs> but but it was it was just a time that God really used to to let me know who he was. And you know, while I was there, he he gave me a scripture, the one, you know, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring the good news. Mm. And he spoke to me, he said, overseas missions. I'm like, All right, God, how's that gonna work out? I'm in a concrete box right now, you know. <laughs> but uh that was in 2008, and that's just a word that he spoke to me. I thought, okay, I want to tuck that down here in my heart. Yeah. And we'll see where that goes. And, yeah. Um, so throughout the court process, uh, the judge told me, she was like, well, you know, I want you to go to a long-term inpatient rehab. Because at this point, I was still had a deferred sentence. It wasn't a, I mean, it was a felony, but it wasn't a conviction. And so she wanted me to go to, um, to rehab, and she wanted it long-term. This 30, 90 days wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. She wanted at least a nine-month program. So Even after you, I mean, this is, you've been clean for 10 months. Mm-hmm. She still thinks you need. Absolutely. Okay. And she was right. Okay. She was absolutely right. Because first thing I was going to do is go out and use again, probably. You were. Well, I say that. I don't know, you mm-hmm. know, but. Um, there's a good chance. There's a very good chance. Okay. You know, so. Uh, it was either you can get a suspended sentence, so you're you're a felon now, which I didn't want to do, mm-hmm. or you can take this other chance that I'm going to give you and go to rehab, and you get your deferred sentence back. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh shoot, that's a no brainer. Yeah. Let me let me go to rehab. Yeah. So how long was rehab? <laughs> uh, nine months. So in June of 2008, I went to First Step for Women. It was. Um, Inpatient, like I said, nine months. Uh, you work while you're there, so it's it's very intensive. You got about forty women there, so that's not always fun when you're all in recovery. But <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's yeah. a lot of hormones and yes. emotions and <laughs> yes, a lot of fun. But you know, like I said, I really use that time to dig into the Word and dig into God mm-hmm. and you know see the things that He had for me, the better life and stuff. And so yeah, so I did that completed that got out of rehab in february of 2009 mm-hmm. and hate to say it but i got out and i used you know really mm-hmm. it was one of those things yeah which was stupid what was so stupid and i don't even know that my family knows that <laughs> yeah wow yeah i got out and i used um but i didn't like it it wasn't like it was before okay. it was one of those okay am i really done yes am i really done yes like, do 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 I want to pursue this? Look at what God has done. Do you really want to go down this road? So did again? you use like one and done? You were like, okay, that was it. It wasn't a one and done. It lasted a little it, longer. It was a it was a handful and done. You know, right. but it was one of those like, you know, yeah, you know. D- do you want to do this? When was the last time you used? Girl, I don't even remember. But shortly, not it, too far to, after that. Yeah, in two thousand nine. Two thousand nine, sometime. Wow. But uh, and so 
And then, of course, Clay got out of prison in, 2000, in June of 2009. We met. Uh, he had been out of prison about three, three weeks when we met. And, yeah. Fell. Are you talking to your daughter this whole time? No. No. Uh, her dad would not allow me to. Do you blame him? No. I really don't. Um, well, I can't say I didn't talk to her. There were some times when I was in jail for that long period of time, I would write letters. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think she got them. She might have gotten one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, his wife at the time did not like the fact that I was writing. Um, I actually made a phone call from, from rehab and had to talk to her, and I actually had to swallow my pride and thank her for taking mm-hmm. care of my daughter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was one of those, I'm growing, I'm growing, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was thankful. Yeah. I was glad she was safe. Yeah. You know, but that whole that whole time was traumatic for her too. Yeah. She didn't really know her dad, yeah. and having to go live with him right was traumatic for her. Yeah, and where's my mom? Yeah, yeah, because she had me all the time, and then, boom! All of a sudden, one day, mom's nowhere around, and I don't get to talk to her. I don't get to see her, and I felt horrible about that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely horrible. It still haunts me. Mm-hmm. It still haunts me. Were you two able to reconcile? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So when after I got out and um, met Clay, it didn't didn't take long, and we had a little one on the way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was able to talk to Micah when I had gotten out, and, and, and God restored that relationship. Yeah. He did, and I'm very grateful. Yeah, we have a great relationship That's now. amazing. Yeah. How old is she now? She's 29. That's awesome. Yeah, she'll be 30 in January. That's awesome. How hard is it that you're both um, recovering addicts? Not at all. Like, he kept me accountable. Yeah. Because okay. I knew he, well, and it wasn't really it's something we talked about. It was like, hey, he just got out, and I know his story, and I am not going to be the reason he stumbles. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that he felt that way, but I felt like that was mm-hmm. probably a little bit of, of maybe him, too. It was mm-hmm. like, look, I know her struggle. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go down this road together of using. That's not, that, that was just nothing. Because you hear, like... We're both trying to do better. <laughs> yeah, because you hear that, you, you, you like they say that's like a warning, like a former addict should not like hook up with no. another former addict because you're most likely going to... Reuse. Yeah. 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 And you guys have totally overcome those, those odds. Okay. Yeah. So 13 years it's been? Are you at 13? Me and Clay? Yeah. Yeah, we've been together 14. Getting out yeah. and all that. Yeah. 14 years. So you've been basically clean, mm-hmm. walking with the Lord, mm-hmm. growing in your faith. What do you do daily to not fall back and just be like, maybe just one more time, I'll, I'll try again. It, it doesn't even cross my you mind. You have no desire. No desire. That's phenomenal. No, just why I've seen the pain that I've caused everybody mm. and the pain I caused myself. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Mm. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. I, I have too much to lose. Mm. And I would never want to put my other children through what I put my daughter through. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't want to do it. Or my grandkids. Mm-hmm. I've got too much to live for. Mm. Well, you got four of them and another on the way. So. Phenomenal. You know, one of the things I want, you know, how God had talked to me about missions, overseas mm-hmm. missions. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. So that was in June of 2011. I actually got to go on my first mission trip. Yeah. Where'd you go? I went to Cambodia. Okay. So, you know, three years later, it, it came to pass. So Phenomenal. When he speaks things, it, you know, his word does not return void. <laughs> so did you, um, you, so you found a church home? Like, how do you feel? Like, where? Did, how did you grow in your walk? I mean, obviously the Lord is powerful and you don't necessarily need a quote unquote church. No, no, no. However, no. you need a community of believers to help you grow, to guide you, that Absolutely. helping you read the scripture and like working it out and all those things. So where did you go? Like what? Mm-hmm. 
What was your community? When I was in rehab, we um, they allowed us to go to church on Sundays. There mm-hmm. was one church that they took us to, and it was um, East Point Community Church. It was um, out on the east side of Oklahoma County, mm-hmm. and that's where I started going in rehab. And so when I got out, of course, I lived a long ways away. I lived in Yukon, but I would drive out there. I, would, I wouldn't go every week, but um, I would go as much as I could. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's where we ended up going to church together, Clay and I. Nice. Yeah. How hard has it been for you to share your story? It's not. It's not. It's not. God is good. And if somebody gets hope from it is really how I feel. Yeah. I, I want them to know that um, he's faithful. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you say to someone who's listening that thinks they can just use on the weekends? <laughs> good luck because it's not going to happen. It, it It's not. I mean, it's it affects your soul. It's not just your body. Mm. It's your soul and your spirit. It's, mm. it, it's, it's, it's not going to work like that. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. Like, you, you might be able to get away with that for a while, but it, it'll eventually get you. Mm. It'll eventually get you. I just wanted to share how good God is about, you know, just the whole missions thing. That's just yeah. huge on my heart. I've been able to go to seven different countries. Wow. I've been to four continents. <laughs> um, while I was on one of these trips, um, God spoke to me about um it, it was a weird trip because my daughter found out she was pregnant right before that trip mm-hmm. and her due date was while i was gone and i was like i'm not going on this trip i'm not missing my first grandson being mm-hmm. born and lord's like no i need you to go and i'm like lord then you better hold that baby until i get back <laughs> <laughs> your daughter's like lord please don't yeah well that didn't happen <laughs> she had him while i was gone and i was devastated <laughs> but when i got back from that trip the lord told me i want you to go back to school for nursing Okay, so we come full circle yeah. back to the nursing thing. Yes, yes. So, okay. So I um, and you're how old at this time? Thirty six. Good for you. Thirty six. And so I'm like, God, I'm thirty six. I'm. Wor- and it's funny. I'm working back at the law office for the attorney right. I used to work for <laughs> when I got out of rehab. He needed me, so I went back to work for him. And you know, I was clean, so it was it was fine. But um, so I had to go tell him, look, I'm. I'm going back to school for nursing for real this time. For real. For real this time. Yeah, we're going to do this again. And, uh, yeah, just seeing the faithfulness of God just to even, um, you know, when I got out of rehab, the judge did reinstate my deferred sentence, so I never had a felony conviction. Wow. And then being able to get all those cases expunged so I can be a nurse, you know. So, yeah, it's it's been great. I've been a nurse for four years now. I love it. Good for you. Definitely my calling. Definitely my calling. What local mission work do you, and I think you and Clay, do together? I don't know so much. as I mean, because he's got his ministry. Okay, so you're not involved in that. Well, I mean, financially I am because I help. We we buy Bibles for all those kids. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I pray for them. And if we can feed the kids or do whatever Mm -hmm. we do, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, and so these are kids in juvenile. In juvenile, yeah. Okay, yeah. But um, it's that's mainly his ministry. I just try to support him in right. that as much as I can. Right. Um, I don't really know what my ministry is yet. I I love going on mission trips. I love going yeah. to help, and I you know I I just I love to go. I don't I don't like to say no when I'm offered the opportunity to right. go. So, so what would you say to someone listening who has never met this man Jesus that we that you met under a bridge one day? Ah. Uh, you just have to meet him. He's going to transform your life. He's going to transform your life. There's, it's a sweet relationship. Mm. It's so worth it. Like, I don't even have words. Right. It's just like you just have to meet him. He, yeah. he will completely transform your life. But the things in my life right now make me feel good. 
Yeah, but he 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 will make you feel better. <laughs> Those don't even compare, right? Like it's it's a weak sauce compared to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> weak sauce. <It's> weak sauce. <laughs> I yeah. like it. <laughs> and the only other thing I really want to say that is like if you're believing um, for a loved one's salvation, mm. find a promise in the Word and stand on it. There's so many times I've had to go to the Word when we've been in crisis and be like, God, I need a promise. Mm. I need a promise, and He's faithful. Because his word does not return void. And so if, you, if you're believing for a loved one's salvation, get in the word. Find a promise. Stand on it. What about sharing that word? Like how, how, do, how much impact do you think your, your mom's sharing had on you all those years? Like had she just been keeping it to herself and close to her heart, but not actually like sending you cards, sending you messages and stuff like that? Do you think it would have had as much impact? Boy, that's a great question. Um, Because I've often thought to myself, I almost wish my mom would not have told me about that promise Mm. because it might have prolonged. (laughs) Mm. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Had I not known, maybe I would have accepted him earlier. But who knows? God's timing is perfect. Right, exactly. His timing is perfect. It just gave me a chance to rebel more. Yeah. I hate saying that, but it's true. Yeah. You know? I could see how your rebellious spirit would respond like that. But mm-hmm. I could also see how a more submissive spirit, mm-hmm. it would maybe get them to come sooner. So, way sooner. It would have a, Absolutely. Uh, so I guess the, the moral of the story is if mm-hmm. as a believer, you mm-hmm. have a child or a loved one or anybody mm-hmm. who not only are you praying for and you're standing on those promises of mm-hmm. scripture, of God's word, that you don't just keep it to yourself, that you share it with them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There have been times where I'm like, I'm just going to keep it to myself because I don't want that person to feel like I'm judging them or yeah. that I'm like, I know what you're doing kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're, I'm also like, okay, Lord, I, I have to do this because mm-hmm. this could be the one message that they need. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, it's how they respond to it. It's on them. It's, and it is. it's not my responsibility how they respond to it. No, and I agree with that. I agree with that. I'm, I think it depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, if because there's times where... I've had promises for people and it's just like, Oh, I don't know if that would be more harm than good. But, mm. but in the same sense, it's the word. Yeah. So you know, yeah. The power of the spoken word. So. What's your favorite way to worship God? Ah, uh, I just love worship music yeah. and just, just to sing to him and, mm. and just, I don't know. There's so many ways. Mm-hmm. I just, I just love him. I love to tell people about him mm-hmm. and just share what he's done in my life. How would you encourage someone who hasn't shared their story? People need to hear it. Mm-hmm. People need to hear the goodness of God mm-hmm. because you don't know who you're going to impact. Mm. I mean, God knows. Mm-hmm. He knows. And, and there could be just one person that needs to hear what you have to say mm-hmm. to make a chan- uh, you know, a difference in their life. Mm-hmm. And they can make a decision for Christ yeah. based on what you have to say. Yeah. Any final thoughts for anyone listening? God is good. He's God faithful. So good. He's just faithful. And he's good. Yeah. So trust him. That. How can we be praying for you? That I would walk in, in, in all that he has for me. Mm. You know, just continue continue on and do do what it is he wants me to do. I have no doubt you will. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show, Barb. Thanks. You're a blessing. Thanks for having me. I am it excited to get to know your story. I'm yeah. excited for a new friendship. And, yes. um, and hopefully this is heard in 30 more countries. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. My dear friend. I want you to know that this man, Jesus, my guest spoke of, is relentlessly pursuing you at this very moment and longs to love you unconditionally, no matter your story. There's no fancy prayer or special words, just believe, trust, and surrender. 
We've listed several free resources in the show notes to help you begin your relationship with Jesus and to walk in His truth and love today and for eternity. And to my brothers and sisters, if you already have a relationship with Jesus, then I encourage you to continue to pray for our guests and all who listen to this podcast. And to go tell others about a man that changed your life forever.